They actually seem to believe that we don't know what they're doing and what their game plan is, but we do. And we're pissed because it's been our work, it's been our treasure, our blood, that's done everything positive America has ever done. It's been its citizens. It hasn't been a bunch of elitist thugs who are parasites on the very system they seek to destroy. They call us deplorables, insurrectionists, domestic terrorists, even as they allow deadly drugs and countless numbers of people wanting to destroy us across our borders, even as they push vaccines that kill our children and imprison real American patriots and commit treason many times over. While we Americans are unlike any people tyrants have faced before, we know our rights, we demand our freedom and liberty, and we demand the servants of the people learn their place. Patriots, it is episode 190 of the Patriot Review. Welcome. I hope you have a cup of coffee or have had several by now so you're wide awake. Uh, so today we got a good show. we got a lot of stuff to get to. And before I do get to the content, however, I just want to uh, talk to you about these companies here. So how do our purchases make a difference? You see around the wheel here that these major corporations own many, many other corporations. The fact is that there's only like three corporations that own 90 plus percent of, of corporations in uh, the United States. And those corporations are using your money to do things that you probably don't agree with. So there are, all, there are alternatives. Now there's an American manufacturer and obviously they make their products in America. So everything's America made, American made and they are safer than a lot of the products that you use in, in uh, your home that you would buy from the store from a lot of these corporations. And they also are America First company. So you can go to shop for freedom, shop the number four freedom uh, dot online instead of dot com dot online, shop for freedom dot online. And uh, please do check that out and see uh, the types of products you can get. and. Um, Start supporting a company that has your values at heart. All right, so we're going to get into uh, a video that um, Bill Maher put out. And he was discussing the Israel and um, Palestinian war, the crisis. Uh, he was talking about anti-Semitism and uh, well, how surprised he is. So let's listen to this. It's going to take just a couple minutes, and it's worth the listen. What do you make of this level of just gut-wrenching anti-Semitism. I, I must admit, I don't think of myself as a naive person, and I've been surprised. It was like a volcano that blew. I mean, just like people in the United States with banner, fuck Israel, you know, the, any means necessary. I just, I, I, I don't know where this comes from. I guess it's ancient, obviously. The hatred of the Jews goes way back. But 
I, I was taken aback by this. You, you can't tell me you don't think social media has made it much worse. I, you, so you think that's the answer? Because, uh, because it, it's got to be something about the Jews themselves, because there are other people around the world who are oppressed. There are other colonized places, not that Israel colonized anything. But why this one place? Why does this arouse, especially among young people? I mean, the young people Farid who hate, hated Trump because he, he wouldn't condemn the people with the tiki torches, talking about Jews. You're the ones with the tiki torches I think, now. I don't think. Hello, the eyes were. I, I think the way. To answer your, your question, Bill, because I have also wondered about this, it, what it. The, the, the upsurge of anti-Semitism that you're seeing around the world and sadly in the United States itself is in a way the most powerful justification for the state of Israel, right? It feels, it must feel to Jews everywhere that they're not safe, that the one place they can be safe is the state of Israel. It is the ultimate justification. Why it happens is sadly it is the oldest bigotry known to man. I mean, it comes out of, you know, the Christian ideas about, you know, about Jews killing Christ. But that's Christ not what all. college kids no, think. No, no, college no. College kids it, are no. not hating Jews. But Jew. I think it all, it, what, it, what happens Doesn't come is from Christian there's ideals. just this, you know, this upsurge. You, you, you have all kinds of different people doing it for all kinds of different reasons. And I, I think it just reminds you that we, I hear people saying, well, we should you know, ban this kind of speech. And there is now laws in France, for example. They, I don't know that that's the answer. I think the answer is to educate people to understand this is this is gross, ancient bigotry that civilized people shouldn't believe this kind of thing. That you know, that's the part that's most worrying. So you know, just a couple things I want to say about that. First of all, kudos to Bill Maher for bringing that issue out in the way he did. Um, but a couple things, you know, it, it's not the Christians who are causing this issue. Did the Christian, do the Christians have differences of opinion and, and very, very drastic differences of opinion when it comes to Jesus? Obviously, uh, we do. However, this uh, ide ideology that is uh, driving this hatred and this violence is, is not Christian. It is Islamic. And, of course, all of you know that, right? But um, then we have people like uh, Rashida Tlaib and the rest of the squad who say things that are so anti-Semitic that show their hatred. And then they have the gall. She has the gall to come out and, uh, you know, break into tears on uh, the, the floor of the house as she is, um, you know, attacking the speaker. And, um, you know, the, the whole thing, um, well, I'm going to let you listen to it first. So here's Rashida Tlaib, just a segment of it. And I'll fill you in on, on what's missing. But pa Palestinian people are not disposable. We are human beings. Just like anyone else. My city, my grandmother, like all Palestinians, just wants to live her life with freedom and human dignity we all deserve. All right, yes, we all deserve that. However, you can't sit there and say that all Palestinians just want the same thing as your grandma, because that is a, a 
flat out blatant lie. Now, she's earlier in the speech, she does say to her credit that anti-Semitism and Islamophobia, you know, doesn't get us anywhere, which is true. However, she is the one fermenting. She is one fermenting the hate in her, her assumption that all Palestinians just want, you know, peace and uh, to live their life in freedom is flat out wrong. Flat out wrong. Now put yourself in the in the case of the average Israeli in their shoes. Like I said yesterday, you're you're sitting there in a tiny little country. You're surrounded by your enemies. You have the Holocaust behind you. You have even before that, you have the atrocities that were taken out of the Jews, and you've reached a point where you've been attacked and repeatedly attacked by these so-called peace-loving Palestinians that Rashida Tlaib brings up. And you notice that uh, Omar was right there to comfort her when she had her emotional breakdown you know another another uh, jew hating uh idiot that doesn't belong in congress whatsoever and married brother to get here and um you know the whole thing is just is just kind of sickening and you know i wanted to show you those two clips because obviously there are atrocities that are going on you know and we saw one side that has repeatedly attacked the nation of israel and the other side, Israel, who is responding. And are there war atrocities? Probably so. The question is, what came first? And you have this, you have this tiny little nation state that uh, is fighting for its very survival. And that has never been something that we Americans have really had to face since the Revolutionary War. Civil War, we still would have survived as Americans. It just would have looked different, right? But here... We have a nation that's actually fighting for their existence, and I might say for each and every one of their lives, because uh, let's make no mistake that the majority of people in Palestine actually, you know, uh, agree with what they're taught, what their religion teaches, which is to kill the Jews and the Christians, by the way. And uh, that is something that they can't deny, nor can they, nor can they uh, change from being true. Be right back after this with uh, Steve Gorham. After we watched our daughter Grace die on FaceTime, I uh, immediately felt that I needed to go to the hospital, though I was still pretty sick. And I met Jessica and our pastor there. And um, while we were in the room, we, Jessica and I let us spend a few moments just with Grace alone. And it was, it was just a horrific um, sight to come upon. It was the fact that our daughter Grace was now gone. Um, the emotions that came over the top of our minds and just our physical bodies were just unbelief. We, uh, we took her BiPAP off because it was still on. This was hope and prayers that somehow she wasn't really gone. And as soon as we did that, the color of grace changed. And um, we had to accept that she was truly gone. Not one person stepped foot in that room. 
how can you do that? How can you allow an innocent person, a child, she's only 19 years old, die in front of your eyes? You don't do that. If you're human, you don't do that. They knew they weren't going to convince us to put Grace on a ventilator. That means the money was going to dry up. They had to have the money. And when you follow the money trail all the way through, you see that a ventilator is about a $300,000 decision. That they had higher paying patients in the emergency room. Grace is worth more dead than alive. We don't just need food, we need to eat food with a high nutritional value. Who wants to just survive food shortages? Let's thrive in times of adversity and lack. Optimize your daily nutrition and ensure you and your family have our two-year shelf-stable kingdom fuel as a cornerstone of your emergency food supply. Don't sacrifice your health or your taste buds. Stock up on kingdom fuel now. All right, we are back. I'm going to just tell you this, that if you want to go get yourself some Kingdom Fuel, you can do that at Sherwood.tv slash TPR. That's Sherwood.tv slash TPR. Get yourself some Kingdom Fuel and other great things to get you in tip-top health and, and great shape. And also, if you haven't seen my documentary yet, Breaking the Oath, please do. It is at redbloodedpatriots.com, also at America First Productions. That's America, the number one, stproductions.com. Check that out. And we are going to change gears and we're going to go to Mr. Steve Gorham, who's joining me. And we're going to talk about uh, his new book and talk about the whole uh, Green New Deal and the, the emphasis on the environment that is really being used politically for power and wealth transfer, which I'm sure we'll get into. But Steve is the author of Green Breakdown, The Coming Renewable Energy Failure. And you've got a long list of things here, Steve. I'm just going to go through a few of them. You are obviously you're an author, you're a researcher on environmental issues, energy, public policy. You're frequently on different television shows and radio as well. Executive director of Climate Science Coalition of America. And the list goes on. Steve, welcome to the Patriot Review. It is really an honor to have you as a truth teller coming in. And I'm sure that you get a lot of attention for what you say. And God bless you for standing up and telling the truth. Good morning, Jeff. Great to join you. It is really my pleasure. And I really mean that in saying that uh, the truth tellers, you know, there's a lot of people that um, I'm sure you you get a lot of responses that, you know, are less than Christian. And um, <laughs> uh, like I said, you get attacked and, and you're, you're, you're getting attacked because you're over the target, right? I mean, that's something that you hear frequently. And um, you know, you are definitely over the target and talking about really the, you know, Joe Bastardi, and he has an unfortunate last name, I guess, but uh, Joe is also out there in saying that, you know, this is cyclical in nature in that we've, you know, we've lived on this planet. And I just want to start out with the premise that this, that goes along with this. We've lived on this planet, you know, for a short time, relatively 
you know, speaking about our only our own lives in this short time span, and it seems like we have this misguided notion that we can really see this tremendous impact in the span of, you know, maybe a hundred years being being friendly when you talk about lifespans, when there's really this cycle that takes thousands and thousands of years to go through, and you know, the evidence shows that. Yet, you know, my first question is, why is evidence like yours? you know, being covered up, being censored, being denied. Well, let's start with that. Why Why is that happening? So my position is that climate, and, and like uh, Mr. Bastardi, who's a friend of mine, climate is dominated by natural factors, not man-made emissions. As you say, we have cycles. Uh, uh, I don't think Earth's climate. We have... Uh, it's changing continuously. We have uh, long-term cycles, uh, short-term, uh, medium-term cycles that affect Earth's temperatures. Uh, the ice ages on the long-term, we have uh, intervening periods when it's uh, warm. It's been uh, uh, several times over the last 10,000 years warmer than today's temperatures. And then we have short-term temperature cycles like El Nino in the Pacific Ocean, the El Nino Southern Oscillation. And so Earth's climate is always changing, but uh, People have grabbed onto the uh, idea that uh, humans are responsible for global warming now and responsible for all sorts of other things like ocean rise and uh, storm strength and all those sorts of things. But the evidence really doesn't support that. I actually call this climatism, which is the fear of man-made global warming. It was in the title of my first two books. And we now have a couple presidential candidates using the term climatism. Mr. Ramaswamy and uh, former President Trump are both using that to describe the misguided idea that humans are causing dangerous climate change. Isn't that whole? Isn't that idea really kind of a vain idea in itself? I mean, there's so my so my career has been. I have a degree in safety environmental compliance, so I I would manage the environmental reporting that was required for. The companies that I worked for in the, the number of locations and stuff. And um, first of all, I would say that the United States has, without a doubt, been at the forefront of being responsible uh, within our environment and trying to protect our environment. And the question on the political side is, you know, we have these 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 countries that are the worst offenders, like China and India, yet we are forcing change within the United States, which is probably the most responsible country in there. So there's a political motive behind this. You mentioned these people, there's, you know, political and power motivation behind it and moving, moving dollars, in, in my opinion, would you, would you concur with that piece of it? Well, I do think that the that the fear of climate change can be used to support many, many policies, support uh, certain industries, support funding, support all sorts of things and try and get people to do various things. Uh, the theory is plausible, and we also need, uh, by the way, we need to separate uh, different types of pollution. Uh, there is harmful pollution that can go into the environment. Uh, and we've done, my, my uh, grandfather had a coal furnace in his house in the 1950s. And Chicago, after it snowed, there would be a layer of uh, black, after about four or five days, a layer of black coal dust on all of the snow. And young folks uh, like yourself probably don't know what spring cleaning was for. In the 1950s, people literally would wash the inside of their walls every spring to reduce the coal dust. 
But we've done a great job reducing real pollution, uh, particulates, lead, uh, sulfur dioxide, uh, carbon monoxide, uh, nitrogen dioxide in the air. Uh, but we're now calling carbon, uh, I'm sorry, I should have said carbon monoxide. I hope I didn't uh, say carbon, but we're now calling carbon dioxide a pollutant. And that is very, very foolish. So nations like India and China are struggling to get the real pollutants out of their air. And they are actually coming down, particularly in the case of China now after many years. And all nations do this as they grow. Mm -hmm. But the world is seized on this idea that carbon dioxide is a pollutant, which is very, very foolish. And uh, literally, the wealthy nations of the world are spending about a trillion dollars every year uh, on renewables to try and stop the planet from warming, try and reduce emissions. And all that is really a misguided idea that's not going to have any effect on global temperatures, at least a measurable effect. So those people who aren't really, you know, don't have your background in education in this, why is that foolish? What makes that foolish to have that opinion? Well, I think uh, I think the world, well, first off, uh, uh, humans can, can uh, change the climate locally. I mean, that's pretty well demonstrated. If you put up a city and you build roads and airports and put up concrete and buildings, you tend to warm the area. It's called an urban heat island effect. Uh, in places around the world, uh, the Aral Sea in Russia has just about been drained away from irrigation. Uh, so humans have had an effect in that area. And then, and then when you take the sea away, you affect the local climate as well. But the Earth is a very, very big place. And as a matter of fact, the greenhouse effect, which, which is blamed for, natural, uh, uh, blamed for dangerous global warming, is an overwhelmingly a natural effect. Water vapor is Earth's dominant greenhouse gas, not carbon dioxide, not methane, uh, accounting for about three quarters of Earth's greenhouse effect, water vapor and clouds. And then if you look at the carbon dioxide that goes into the atmosphere, that is overwhelmingly from nature, from the oceans, from the biosphere. Every day, the nature puts 20 times as much carbon dioxide into the atmosphere as all of Earth's industries and removes about the same amount. So on a global scale, the, the Earth is a very big place. And uh, although the theory of man-made warming is plausible, we are a very, very small part of the greenhouse effect and what goes on in climate. Nevertheless, the world has jumped to this conclusion. I call it the biggest superstition in modern history. And uh, we're spending vast amounts of money trying to, to uh, get rid of emissions, get to net zero. And that, that really is not gonna be uh, profitable in any way. And you have a lot of, you know, like you have all this uh, emphasis towards really pushing uh, so-called renewable energy or alternative energy. Yes. Or even in, even in the case of our automobiles, the push for electric vehicles when we don't have the infrastructure yet to really support that. And uh, so what kind of what kind of problems are we laying for ourselves in our future right. if we do these things without being prepared? So that's what Green Breakdown is about. Today we have about one-seventh of the world, the wealthy nations of the world, the United States, Europe, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and some others uh, that are pushing for net zero by 2050 and a, a global energy transition. And they basically want to get rid of all of coal, all coal, oil, and gas, replace it with wind, solar, and biofuels, and, um, and eliminate all carbon dioxide emissions. Uh, that is more than a a reach out goal that is like a wish and a prayer. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to have a green breakdown 
Uh, what we're going to have, by this push for energy transition means higher energy prices. Uh, California, for example, Green California now has the second highest electricity rates in the country. Uh, they passed up New England in recent years, they're right behind Hawaii. Uh, we're going to have electricity blackouts. We've seen those in California and Oklahoma mm -hmm. and Texas. In Texas, they had a blackout in February of 2021. Power was off for four and a half million people for, for 72 hours. And uh, between 250 and 700 people died uh, during that blackout. That's, that's more deaths than in, in a big hurricane. Uh, we're going to have less freedom because they're going to demand that you can't uh, have a gasoline car and you can't have a gas stove. And then we're also going to have transnational energy shocks uh, like we've gone through with uh, Europe in the last two years. And Europe is still, they have some hanging on. But their uh, natural gas prices went up by a factor of three. Their electricity went up by three or four. In the United Kingdom, people are, if you talk to those folks, they're not turning on their their uh, gas ovens and they're not turning on their, their heating. About 30% of the people in England can't afford their energy bills. And they've been telling people uh, not to shower to reduce energy or to shower with a friend. <laughs> which sounds funny, but they have uh, they have energy bills that are costing two and three thousand pounds in the winter. Very very expensive. Wow. So these things are going to impact society, and people are going to demand a return to low cost reliable energy. They're going to take a step back, and this whole energy transition is going to uh, break down. And you you talk about two or three thousand pounds. I mean, if you if you t compare that to the dollar, I mean, it's almost double, right? So it's... well, it's it's somewhat more three or four thousand dollars. Very very high though. And that's subsidized. Crazy. It would be higher yeah. if, if the government wasn't subsidizing it. So they have some real problems over there. Yes, they do. And Germany, from what I understand, Germany has kind of learned a lesson and is starting to start up their coal plants yep. again. And, um, you know, and that's what I mean. I, mean. I think all of us are in favor of, you know, environmentally friendly solutions and protecting our environment. And that's not the issue. It's just what are we ready for? I mean, we can all strive towards that. And in my opinion, it's the free market. That's the best way to do that. Get competition and and uh, rather than regulation, get competition to develop these technologies that we need. But um, really, when you think about what you're saying, there's there's a lot of other things that come along with those problems that you just mentioned. I have to take just a quick break. Let's talk about that. What is What does that mean? What does that really result in? when we go down this road, when we come back from this break, I'll ask you to mute yourself. Otherwise, you'll, you'll come over on a live mic, and I don't want to hear you swearing and cussing uh, at me behind the, behind the screen. I'm kidding, of course. I'll consider us live. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. Hang on.
right, Steve, we are back, and I have your website up. You can't see that. But um, if you want to learn more about Steve and the books that he's written and his mission here, you can go to stevegorham.com. It's S-T-E-V-E-G-O-R-E-H-A-M.com, and uh, check that out. So we were talking before the break there, which um, was was um, uh, a little bit uh, technically glitchy, and I apologize for the viewers for that. But um, we were talking about the consequences of going down this road too fast in, in your book, Green Breakdown. And so when I hear you talk about uh, the challenges and what's coming in the the failure of this um, this whole green agenda, uh, it it leads to other things. So we talked about the deaths in Texas as a result of the brownouts or blackouts. And so this also goes to, okay, if we don't have energy to produce food in our farms, right, we have issues with our, with our uh, supply chain and food. And we have issues with healthcare. We have issues because of the the power power shortages right and the expenses right i mean all these expenses companies aren't going to just voluntarily go out of business because of these expenses they're going to pass these expenses on right and uh, i mean there's just all kinds of implications when you really start to think about what could go wrong well there are many and um uh, one of the big ones that that people don't realize is uh, now we, there's a lot of talk about electric vehicles and uh, we can talk about electric cars, but there's also a big push for electric trucks. And uh, that's going to be a big problem. Uh, the state of California has just passed an advanced clean fleets regulation. And they're saying effective January of 2024, any new trucks in California, uh, at least anyone's picking up freight from uh, the ports, or in uh, high priority companies, which are defined as having 50 trucks or 50 million in business, must be zero emissions. They must be either electric or hydrogen. And those are gonna be very, very expensive. Those trucks basically don't exist. Uh, and and they, they stack up very poorly against uh, gasoline or, or rather diesel trucks. For example, a diesel truck, you can, you can fuel it for 15 minutes and you can drive 1200 miles. Uh, an electric truck, to charge it for for 300 miles if it's a, if it's a good truck electric trucks have 10,000 pounds more weight uh, they cost two to three times as much and so what this is going to do is boost the cost of freight this is going to be paid for by the american consumer and by the way eight other states want to pick up these california laws and it's just going to be a disaster it's going to turn the trucking industry upside down but it's just another facet of of this uh, proposed energy transmission uh, transition that is being forced on people and on businesses, and it should not be forced. Uh, you know, all of the idea that we can stop the oceans from rising if we do this, without a doubt. You know, and the other part I think is, you know, like the other part is, um, uh, as I said, you know, you're pushing too early and you don't have this technology, but the time also, right? I mean. So you have these trucks out there, and if they're going to be used nationally, how much is that going to increase the time to deliver goods? Right. So it so it really would it really would reduce the availability of goods as well, unless you double or triple your fleet. Right. Yeah, you got to buy a lot more trucks to deliver the same goods. You're right. 
I want to say a little something about pollution. You know, I talked about the 1950s. The great news is our air is very much cleaner than it was. According to EPA data, uh, the EPA criteria pollutants, again, sulfur dioxide, nitrogen dioxide, lead particulates, ozone, are down about uh, combined 80% since 1970. The uh, volatile organic compounds that come out of vehicle tailpipes are down 98% since 1970. Wow. So we've done a great job reducing real pollution. We do have some major problems yet around the globe. Um, uh, wastewater is a big problem for about 80% of the world. Uh, it's discharged untreated into rivers, lakes, and streams. If you remember about six, seven years ago, they had the Olympics down in Brazil, and the, the swimmers mm -hmm. didn't want to swim in the, in the water. It was so polluted. Brazil's mm -hmm. just building their first water treatment plants. Uh, we also have an issue with plastic in the oceans, which is somewhat overstated. But we have about 100 million tons of plastic in the oceans. We're adding about 10 millions of ton a million tons a year, and not from the US or Europe, uh, from Asia, developing nations is where that is all coming from. Uh, we need biodegradable plastics. By the way, banning straws in uh, San Francisco is not gonna have much of a difference. Yeah. But but those are real pollution problems we need to work on, not carbon dioxide. Let's let's get uh, get the focus changed, and and work on real problems. Give me give me a little bit on you know why water vapor is is the real culprit and not carbon dioxide. Well, the greenhouse effect. What happens? The greenhouse effect. Sunlight enters our atmosphere, and what isn't reflected goes down and is absorbed by the surface of the Earth. And so the earth gets warmer and it cools itself by releasing lower energy infrared radiation. Uh, you can't see infrared radiation, but it's there. And that on its way out to space, much of that causes uh, greenhouse gas molecules in the atmosphere to vibrate. And the uh, uh, nitrogen isn't a greenhouse gas, so oxygen isn't, most of the atmosphere is not, but water vapor molecules will vibrate. They, the infrared that comes out causes them to vibrate and they, they capture the energy and, and then they release it, which uh, tends to warm the surface of the earth. Carbon dioxide is another greenhouse gas. Methane is another one. But uh, you know, scientists look at the, the outgoing uh, infrared spectrum from the infrared radiation and, and water vapor dominates it. Water vapor in clouds is the biggest part of the greenhouse effect. And the greenhouse effect is what's blamed for dangerous uh, global warming. And then again, as I say, most of the rest of the carbon dioxide is mostly from nature. Uh, the oceans hold 50 times as much carbon dioxide as the atmosphere, and the oceans are always releasing it and absorbing it. Uh, so the greenhouse effect does raise global temperatures. Uh, it, we'd be about uh, 30 degrees Fahrenheit cooler on Earth if we if we didn't have those temperatures, we'd have an ice icebound planet if we didn't have the greenhouse effect. So it's a good thing. But again, uh, you never hear in the press that nature dominates. They always say, well, the greenhouse effect is mm -hmm. caused by our industry. And that's just a big misnomer. Uh, that's so, why I made the comment about vanity. It's like, you know, we're, we're not that substantial. I mean, we're, we don't we don't have the, uh, the the real impact on the world the way we think we do in so many ways. And that's that's another way I believe that um, you know we have a tendency to believe things because we want to believe that we can control everything. It's safer to control everything, right? Yeah, there is an arrogance there. It's amazing. People have, have tried to control the climate for centuries. The Aztecs used to sacrifice people. They would they would literally cut their heart out, yeah. hold it up in the air, and 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 that was to keep the sun moving across the sky and to control the weather. And then it worked. We had, see. Uh, 
uh, during the Middle Ages, we had a cold period called the Little Ice Age. Crops uh -huh. were failing, and literally hundreds of thousands of people were burned at, to be witches because people thought they were causing the crops to fail. Their neighbor was a witch. Uh, now we're yeah. really sophisticated, though. We have a we have <clears throat> computer models that say your neighbor's SUV is causing the planet to warm. But you're right; there's an arrogance there, and uh, nature is very powerful, and it it continues to control and dominate the climate. So, what's the real truth on the on the actual increase over time? What are the real numbers? Uh, yeah, the real impact have not increased very much. I had uh, a couple of young ladies from UCLA call me for a telephone interview a couple of years ago, and so I started asking them questions. I said, "How much do you think global temperatures have increased in the last 140 years?" And, and that's since we've had thermometers 140 years. One said five degrees, one said 10 degrees. But the answer is one degree Celsius in 140 years, about two degrees Fahrenheit. That's all our temperatures have risen. It's very, very small. Uh, we get that much every day between 9 and 10 a.m. in the morning. And you're then if you look at history, you find we're saying. I'm sorry, you're saying 140 years? So uh, isn't yeah, that. Since about uh, 1880, we've had thermometers. So that's pretty. It's pretty much pre-industrial revolution, right? I mean, it's well, not it is. quite, now, but it's... The, the, if you look at the carbon dioxide that's gone into the atmosphere, uh, really since World War II is when it, the, the human emissions have ramped up since World War II. But we've had warmer and cooler periods. As I was going to say, uh, we had a warmer period a thousand years ago than it is today when the Vikings settled southwest Greenland and there were trees uh, in their settlement. Today, there are only scrub grasses. We had warmer periods 2,000, 4,000 years ago. There's actually a glacier in Switzerland called the Rhone Glacier. Uh, if people have been there, it's it's a wall-to-wall, -wall, a mountainside-to-mountainside glacier. And the Rhone River flows out of it, a source of the Rhone into France and out of the Mediterranean. Well, the Rhone Glacier has been receding for more than a century as we've had a gentle warming. But what they find when the glacier pulls back is they find horse bridles and they find wagon wheels and they find 4,000-year-old wood. And a number of scientists have pointed out that that valley where the Rhone Glacier is, is an ice field today has been ice-free for most of the last 10,000 years. And this is just one piece of evidence in many that times have been naturally warmer in the past than they are today. And despite the fact we have people say the earth is boiling and all kinds of crazy statements in the press, uh, but nature dominates uh, uh, Earth's temperatures. So has there always been this uh, the rush to panic? I'm I am old enough to remember the you know the 1970s where we were going to have we're going to be living in an ice age if we yeah. you know weren't careful. And so has that always been present with us? Have we always had this this percentage of the population worldwide that has you know made these these predictions of of this mass die off of humanity because we're you know we're irresponsible when it comes to the environment? Yeah, alarm is very effective, isn't it? I mean, we've had. Uh... We had Paul Ehrlich write the population bomb in the 1960s, became a worldwide bestseller. And Ehrlich is probably the guy who has been most wrong in history. I, one statement he made was, if he was a gambling man, he'd, he'd, he'd bet 50-50 that, that England wouldn't uh, be around in the year 2000. I mean, he made all kinds of statements. And in the book, he said hundreds of millions of people are going to die in the 1980s because uh, population is, is too big for us to feed. He was wrong about that. But uh, you're right, uh, the earth actually cooled a little bit from about 1940 to 1975. And we had many professors and scientists saying we're going to enter an ice age. And then 15 years later, many of those same scientists said, well, now we, we're going to have global warming. The same <laughs> scientists that predicted an ice age. 
But uh, what happened was we had computer modelers that saw that we were putting carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and that the atmosphere uh, atmospheric levels were rising. And uh, there was a, a Senate hearing in 1988. Uh, Dr. James Hansen, a computer modeler from NASA, testified. He said he was 99% sure the Earth was warming and that people were causing it. Uh, the next year, uh, 1989, they formed the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, uh, who did an assessment report right away and said humans were causing dangerous climate change. 1992, we had the Rio de Janeiro Earth Summit, where 40 nations and the European Union signed a, a, a treaty saying we'd reduce emissions. And so the world sort of jumped to a conclusion on all this. And for the last 25 years, we've been arguing about how much to reduce emissions. There's another conference coming up in three weeks, the COP28 another climate conference. But it's clear now that the models have, have overestimated uh, the gentle warming we're in. Uh, we're not seeing stronger uh, storms and hurricanes. Uh, the oceans are not accelerating in their rise. The polar bears are doing fine. I mean, many of the predict predictions are just flat out wrong. Uh, so mm -hmm. uh, the temperature rise, Earth's climate dominated by natural factors, despite this uh, global superstition of climatism. Without a doubt, and that is just going to continue because, again, you know, you know, my, my show deals with the political side of things, and um, so fear, fear, as you said, is certainly a motivator. Fear is something you could profit from. Fear is something that uh, you can get more power from, as we saw with lockdowns and things like that, right? Yeah. And uh, so, the climate, the what I want to talk about briefly when we come back, I have another break here, but. Okay. Um, I, want, I want to talk about this whole, the whole thing now. I, you know, there's stories in the news about, oh, we're going to need a, we're going to need a lockdown because the climate crisis is so bad. I want to hit on that a little bit and then, and then finish off and talk about your book and where, where people can find it and so on. So I'll be right back after this. Hey Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. Let's face it. It's getting harder and harder to make ends meet. It's only going to get worse. This inflation is going to continue. As a matter of fact, our dollar is in jeopardy of even existing with the crazies that want to go to the digital currency to control us all. You can go to KirkElliottPhD.com slash The Patriot Review, get all kinds of free, great information, and invest in gold and silver for your future. Our world is full of electromagnetic fields that even though we can't see them, are affecting our bodies, our sleep, and even our ability to think clearly. The advent of 5G is only making this worse. There is an answer. Visit Fix the World by clicking the link in the Patriot Review show description below to view natural products that can actually protect you from EMF and 5G and even improve your sleep. Skeptical? Get the free Dangers of EMF Radiation eBook free by clicking on its direct link also in the show description here's a nutritional hack anyone can master replace a meal a day with our kingdom feel or if you're a mosh in the gym add a shake to your daily meal plan our unique meal shakes are balanced low glycemic rich in fiber 20 grams of clean protein essential vitamins and minerals healthy fat and organic fruits and vegetables kingdom feel is vegan with a complete amino acid profile Bottom line, it's a simple start to a transformed life. No gimmicks, just results. Start today. Hey, Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. 
That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. We are back with author Steve Gorham, author of Green Breakdown, The Coming Renewable Energy Failure. Right now I have the screen from Amazon up where you can purchase the book. And I just wanted to mention, though, that I would love for the viewers to make Steve have a sore hand by going to his website instead and using PayPal to purchase a book and get a signed copy. So, Steve, I hope that uh, you have hand cramps in the near yes. future. <laughs> but there, it's there, been there, an honor to have Go there ahead. There are also ebooks available, too, on uh, Apple okay. and Google and others. Okay, awesome. Good to know. So, folks, you can, uh, stevegorham.com is the website. You can go to, to Amazon. I imagine other booksellers as well. Um, Steve, we were talking about the um, the impact that all this is having and everything else. So, we were mentioning you know, what, what else can happen and really looking at this whole broader, bigger picture. But um, let's talk about in your book what you, and I wanted to give too much away, but, I mean, your, the premise is, Kind of that, right? We're going to go through this process or this time in this time period where we are going to overextend ourselves. Is that a fair term, or uh, make ourselves more vulnerable because of taking these actions too quickly? Yeah, there's going to be big issues. The book is a complete discussion of the proposed energy transition, and uh, the early chapters talk about energy history, and then it talks about. Uh, uh, renewables, uh, wind, solar, and uh, and uh, biomass for electricity generation. It talks about home appliances and the drive to get rid of uh, gas stoves, gas appliances. It talks about electric vehicles uh, versus gasoline vehicles. It talks about uh, uh, heavy transportation, airlines and shipping. It talks about heavy industry. Uh, people are proposing that we run our steel industries on hydrogen. Uh, big problems with that. And it talks about the breakdown in Europe that occurred recently. And so it's a full discussion about everything that's going on. And uh, these green uh, proposals are very, very expensive. Uh, they're going to impact people. Uh, we got another, uh, New England, for example, is a spot that is ripe for blackouts, uh, high electricity bills. For years, uh, New York State has been blocking gas pipelines uh, for about two decades going to New England. So New England has a shortage of uh, natural gas and they imported uh, liquefied natural gas at world prices. There was even a period where they were importing from Russia before the Ukraine invasion. Yeah. Uh, but they're paying $1,000 in the winter or, or over a month or two for their energy just for a regular sized house. It's getting very, very expensive. And if they have a very, uh, and last winter was not a severe winter, they have a severe winter, they're gonna have some real problems trying to keep either the lights on or the heat, heat on. And so, so these things are going to uh, to uh, occur as as more and more 
uh, of our power plants push for intermittent renewables as we do a transition of, of vehicles and we force people not to use gasoline vehicles. And uh, this is this is what people are facing here. So, you know, I'm not aware of any anybody pushing legislation that would make more sense to me, and that is updating our, our infrastructure, updating our power grids, you know, protecting protecting the vulnerabilities that our power grid has. And they, aren't the American people, as far as America goes, better served by that type of approach right now than heading where we're going? Well, we are, but many, many of the utilities have caved into the pressure from the state governments. And so they all have goals to be uh, net zero with their electricity, California, many, uh, New England, ISO New England, for example, five of the six states in New England want to be 80% renewable by 2040 or 2050. And the New England ISO actually published a study two years ago saying if they put in 50% wind and they built a 300% over capacity with renewables, they would still have uh, 15 blackout days a year and a potential for another 30 blackout days a year. And, and by the way, they were putting a bunch of batteries in too to back up the renewables. They just don't know how to do it. But nevertheless, uh, the governments are telling them this is what they've got to do. We've got to build wind turbines off the off the East Coast and try and do this. And, and this just isn't going to happen. It's going to break down. By the way, Texas had, had 10 uh, electricity shortages in August and September this year. They basically warned people don't turn on your air conditioner. Don't plug in your electric car. We don't have enough electricity. And they are now rethinking things. They are talking about uh, uh, putting in a bunch more uh, uh, natural gas power, uh, powered systems so that they can keep the lights on. Uh, but it yeah. is, you know, this ideology of climatism is powerful and it is, uh, it's, it's going to affect many, many people. Well, too, also, you know, from a safety standpoint, when are these... When are these blackouts occurring, right? When, when, when the weather is extreme at one end or the other, yeah. and then you have, then you have the elderly at risk. You have the very yeah. young at risk. So we're definitely going to see deaths as a result as well. And um, you know, hopefully, other states follow up with Texas's lead and learn the consequences of trying to push this too early and save some people's lives. You know, instead of instead of going down this path. But um, so tell me, what are the things that people can do to be better prepared to make sure that they're protecting themselves in this coming, this well, first, coming uh, time period? Well, first they ought to read my books, of course, and they ought to educate <laughs> themselves. And they need to ask, ask some pointed questions of their government leaders, like, hey, why do you want to raise my electricity prices? Because that's what these systems do, wind, solar, and, and uh, biofuels. Why can't I keep my gasoline pickup truck? Uh, you you want to force me to get an electric vehicle, which which won't charge when it gets very cold in the winter, which if I, lo I, I, I drive long distances, I can't find charging stations, uh, which insurance is very, very high for electric vehicles now. The price of insurance is about 72% higher than gasoline cars. So they need to, they need to educate themselves. They need to ask pointed questions. Uh, uh, questions to their public officials. They need to vote for the right people that are going to going to put in uh, common sense, reliable energy. Uh, and and then there are some other things too. A, a backup system is is good, a backup power system. But you know that's expensive. 
Mm-hmm. And um, for people to have to do that is 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 really not. This is up to the utilities to keep the power on. You know, if you have you have wind or solar, and you have a, a very hot weather where the wind isn't blowing, and you, or you have a cold snap, or you have an embargo, or you have a war, you can't turn up the wind and solar. There's no way to do that. Where with traditional mm-hmm. uh, dispatchable fuels, you can. You can put more coal online or more natural gas online. Uh, so so these systems are just inferior in many ways. Without a doubt. And like I said a couple times now, I mean, we're just not at the point where we can do that. And it sure would be great to be able to do that and have a reliable solution. You know, and we're all in favor of protecting the environment, I think. You know, it's not a question of that. You know, and the other thing I think that people like me see is we look at these people that are saying, you know, we're in this big crisis and we got to do this and that. And, and then they get on their private jets and then they go to their mansions and, you know, they got four mansions with 32 rooms and, you know, they're cooling all those locations and yep. everything else. It's just the blatant hypocrisy that's right in front of your eyes. There is a should, lot of hypocrisy. Yeah. It should wake people up though. Right. And it's, yeah. so my question, my question to you, and, and this is a roundabout way of getting to it, I guess, but is there any measure of, um, you know, the percentage of the population that's actually waking up to the truth? Is there evidence that more and more people are actually, you know, f- seeing this for what it is? And, um, uh, or is it the media has such a type, tight grip on people that that really doesn't change much or hasn't changed much? Well, I think because- it is changing in some place. You measure, you We lost him there a little bit. Somebody was was saying, can you still still hear me there? No, you cut out. uh, Last thing I heard is you said, do you think it's changing a little bit? Yeah. Okay. It's changing a little bit. In Germany, they restarted 27 coal fired power plants. Uh, They're building 25 liquefied natural gas terminals in Europe to import liquefied natural gas to keep the lights on. Uh, in England, uh, net zero is becoming a hated term. In Texas, uh, uh, we are seeing some changes. By the way, they we're having a, uh, a speed bump with the EVs right now. The EV market is slowing down. The early adopters are like cool Teslas, I think, are, are probably a bottom. And the rest of the population, not quite so interested. I just want to say right. a word about Green Breakdown, though, if I might. Yeah, absolutely. It really is a fun book. It's a color paperback, and there are 150 sidebars that talk about all kinds of crazy things in the energy transition. Uh, for example, we had uh, there was an article in the New York Times saying that uh, we you should mate with short people to uh, to help uh, control global warming. <laughs> there's another there's a scientist in Sweden who is advocating that we eat human flesh, and then he polls his audience to see how many people are willing to try it. Uh, Ugh, there was yeah. another guy, there's another guy in California. He was a cosmetic surgeon. And he was literally taking human fat uh, from his patients and converting it into biofuels for his vehicles. Uh, he actually was was prosecuted, I think, for that because that's an illegal thing to do. But but uh, the, there are so many crazy energy solutions people are, are talking about. And I capture those in the book, which makes it kind of a fun read as well as uh, uh, informative well, about what's going on. I think all the short guys out there, you know, if you're single, you should definitely hook your profile up on all the dating sites you possibly can that uh, right. that article on short you know on, on marrying short people um 
So there was a guy in the 70s that uh, is mentioned in a couple documentaries, uh, Stanley Meyer and his water-powered car. And there's a whole conspiracy theory around that, his death and everything else. Um, you know, and so is is there, you know, are we also fighting the the people that, that are profiting off the current system are is that slowing us down as far as uh, new technology development or do you think well, i think that, so uh, that's part of the, that's part of the uh the power behind the fear of man-made warming uh, we have whole industries industry uh wind solar biofuels uh, we have deans of sustainability at uh, colleges we have vice president sustainability at companies we have the united nations behind this uh, many many political leaders so it has powerful momentum and then the press, of course, you know, when they can write articles saying this is the warmest uh, a month in 120,000 years, it makes for good copy. Uh, scientists are always raising alarms saying, be afraid of this, be afraid of that. So uh, it, it really is great for the media and for the press and for people to uh, use fear to propose policies. Uh, tremendous power. But, you know, we may get cooling in the next two or three decades. Uh, it's very possible, very difficult to predict what the Earth's temperatures are going to do. Uh, those temperatures are controlled by nature and not humans. And so this thing is going to fall down at some point. And we're going to look back and uh, place this in, in one of the biggest superstitions of modern history, like the Earth was flat and that, uh, right. and that uh, uh, you know, beware of all the other things that, that uh, were proved false in the, in the past. Right. You know, the only difference between conspiracy theories and truth is six months that's what i say so um i'm gonna let you close it out here we got uh, we're at the end of the show so i just want to put a plug in for your book again folks please go to amazon or uh, other booksellers to get it go to steve's website stevegorm.com is there anything you'd like to say in closing steve well just uh boy if you got a gasoline car if you got a gas stove if you use electricity you ought to read green breakdown see what governments have in store for you and, and how this is going to unfold and uh, educate yourself and uh, challenge your leaders. Awesome. Thank you so much for being our guest. And folks, you can download this entire episode for free. If you go to redbloodedpatriots.com, it'll be up probably uh, within 30 minutes to, to an hour after the show is over. So check that out, Steve. I hope to hear from you again. I hope to have you back on the show, talk about uh, your next book and get more in, into the science of all this uh you're always you're always welcome here and we appreciate your time sir thank you so much okay thank you jeff that is it for today folks we will see you 